Welcome to an all-new episode of Fast Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter, and on today's episode, I'll try to make friends with comedian and writer Jenny Hogan faster than you'll read through all 160 pages of her book, I'm More Dateable Than a Plate of Refried Beans and Other Romantic Observations. I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. Hey, it's Logan. It's Tuesday, so it means it's time for an all-new Fast Friends podcast. Thank you all for listening. Let us know what you think of this episode. I'm really excited to have on this week the very funny comedian and writer, Jenny Hogan. We talk about all the things Jenny, which are, you know, growing up in the New York City area and whether or not it was really like it's depicted on TV or in the movies as a teenager, working in the tech industry for a vegan mayonnaise company, starting a blog based on like her dating profiles and performing data analysis, how she kind of got into stand-up comedy and fell in love with it, and a little bit about her relationship with alcohol that evolved being out late night for those stand-ups. We also talk on her two books. Her first book that came out back in 2019 called Examples of Toxic Femininity in the Workplace. And then her very, very funny book that's out today. Uh, you should check it out. It's called I'm More Dateable Than a Plate of Refried Beans and Other Romantic Observations. The very funny Jenny Hogan. Hope you all enjoy. See you next Tuesday. Jenny, welcome to the Fast Friends Podcast. Hi, Logan. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. How's your week going? It's pretty early. It's Monday. It's going good. Yeah, it's early in the week. It's hectic, but it's good. Yeah, very fun. Yeah, that's awesome. We, uh, I'm in Chicago, and we had a little bit of a weather change, so it was like warm of the weekend. It's getting cold again. Started snowing today, and I have this weird like whistling sound going on <laughs> with one of my nostrils when I breathe, but I can't like right, yeah, yeah, get anything out of it, so I'm not sure what's going on. So if I sound like my Uncle Tom, that's why. That's what's driving it. Um, well, I'm not sure if you had a chance to check out uh, one of the podcasts before, so I'll give you just a quick overview of how it works, and then we'll just jump right into recording if you don't have any questions. Cool. Um, the podcast is structured in three rounds. The first round is called the Fast Forward Round, so I'll have a 20-minute timer on my clock to basically ask you as many questions as I can about you, your life, career, things like that that I found online. The second round is called Five for Five, um, so I have five questions prepped for you. You have the opportunity to ask me five questions, so you can either... Uh, they could be prepped or you could make them up. And then the third round, we'll use the Fast Friends Fortune Teller, one of these paper fortune tellers from elementary school, to reveal an activity, and we'll end with a friend request. Any questions? Or are you good to jump right in? Cool. I'm good to jump in. <laughs> awesome. Let me set my uh, timer for 20 minutes, and we will jump into the fast forward round. So I think that based on what I could find, I believe you grew up in the New York area. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. 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 Were you in New York City proper? Yes. Yeah, I grew up in Manhattan. Okay. Wow. I So I grew up in a town of 600 people in Indiana. Oh, boy. And when I think about, <laughs> yeah. I know, <laughs> when I think about uh, people growing up in New York, my immediate thoughts always go to um, something like cruel intentions. How? Ooh, kind of. <laughs> I assume that's not how everyone's growing up is. It's not that different, I think. Um, I haven't seen cruel intentions in many years. It's It was a little bit gossip girly. Um Okay. Is that what you would think of? Is that Cruel Intentions vibe? Yeah. I mean, Cruel Intentions probably takes it a little further than network TV could, but yeah. Okay. 
Um, I, now I gotta rewatch Cruel Intentions, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's intense, and you know, I'm just now learning how to drive, so I do have some classic New Yorker limitations, um, but it's fun. Yeah, I like growing up there. Interesting. Are you learning? <laughs> so I feel like I can drive decent, but I can't park at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I have a anxiety attacks about parallel parking. So how's that going for you? Um, I think I'm going to skip parallel parking. I think I'm going to get a car that yeah. does it for me automatically. Um, oh, yeah. I'm actually considering getting a self-driving Tesla, which like, I don't know if that's a really dumb idea because um, like the technology is going to advance so fast that it's going to be useless um, almost immediately. Yeah. But it is a thing I've wanted for a long time. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, keep me posted. Keep me posted. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Um, and I read that you attended an all-girls school for um, for most of school. My wife also did the same. So she uh, attended all-girls school, at least in the high school years, and really loved that. Um, is that something that you enjoyed as well, or or did you feel like you were sort of like missing out by being, um, you know, just just with other females? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say that I enjoyed it a lot, yeah. Um I don't feel like I was missing out too much because I had been there my whole life, so I didn't know anything different. Um, I'm still very close to a lot of my high school friends. I guess, like, I probably went into college with men kind of, like, on a pedestal. But, um, Hmm. you know, the good thing about men is that they will disappoint you very fast. So that didn't last long, the feeling of men being on a pedestal. Um, I was, like, pretty – yeah, I felt pretty good about about the all-girls vibe for sure. Okay. Right on. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't think men mind being on a pedestal from, from my experiences. Um, (laughs) where was it that you ended up going to college after, after high school? I went to Stanford. Um, yeah. And so I had a, I had a co-ed dorm, um, co-ed floor even, which really threw me like first, like the first day of college, there was like a boy walking around in a towel and I was just like (laughs) blown away. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, a, in a scared way, not in, like, a turned-on way. But in retrospect, probably maybe I was a little bit turned on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and so after Stanford, I think you moved to San Francisco uh, and worked in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Were, yeah. Was your first role as, like, a data scientist? Is that accurate? Um, yes, my first role was at a, as a data scientist. I worked at um, – uh, Facebook very briefly. I was like an intern there and then I went to a couple of different startups. So I studied math in college. So, um, okay. yeah, data science, it was kind of like, I felt like when I was looking at different, I guess I went to grad school very briefly. Um, but it seemed like the thing to do with math was to either, um, go into finance or like go into like some kind of data science, machine learning kind of thing at the time. Um, I know there are many other things I could have done, but those felt like the two main options and finance felt like it was too many hours. So I went to go work in tech. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I read that one of the roles was at a vegan mayonnaise company. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- <laughs> my first question, my question there is like, what, um, and this is a genuine question. When you start thinking about like uh, analyzing data and like identifying insights, what, like, what do you, was it like a direct to consumer brand where you had like first party data or like what, what sort of role did that play in, in like a condiment company? I didn't do all that much data science. (laughs) It was a lot of like business analytics. So basically what I did is we bought data from Nielsen that like told us how well our condiments were selling relative to others, um, other brands across different like stores at different like Kroger's and um, 
like Walmarts and I don't know Safeways like around the country to figure out if there were like certain flavors that different parts of the country preferred. Sure. Um, and I basically was supposed to make suggestions to the um, business team about like what okay what could be done to to sell our product more efficiently. But it was like it was not in any way like complex machine learning AI kind of stuff like the way that we pretended that it was. Um, it was very much just like making charts about like how it was selling in different areas. Okay. That's, that's, uh, that sounds like some of my day to day in my job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what is your job? Uh, I work in corporate marketing for a CPG company. So we do the same. It's like, yeah, yeah, yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I read that you started a blog where you started analyzing data from your own dating profiles and online dates. Um, I think the description I saw was that it started out academic, but slowly turned into a humor blog. <laughs> uh, I'm really, I'm much older than you and I never have had to use a dating profile or app, which is weird. Uh, but what kind of data <laughs> there? Like, wh- I guess like, where did you start seeing the connections and like, was that, where did it, where did you like see the challenge there? And like, how did you identify the humor in it at that point? Um, I guess initially my data was I, I, when I entered at Facebook, they gave us ad credit. So I started running like dating ads for myself okay. to basically like um, pitch myself as like a, a dating applicant. Uh, and I did it kind of as a joke, but then you can look at like click through rates and that kind of thing. So I looked at like the click through rates of various um, various ads to see which one worked best. And I guess the like kind of the funny thing I, I hadn't meant for it to be like humorous, but you have to run like a control group. So I also ran like a picture of just like a blank gray square square to see if my dating ads got clicked on like more often than a blank gray square. And they really did not. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was kind of, um, uh, it was, yeah, (laughs) that was sort of like the the central joke that I then like wrote, wrote up the analytics and, and posted an article about it. Um, and then from there I just got feedback that it was like funny and I, I, I had kind of always thought I was funny, but, um, I didn't know what, like, comedy writing was or anything. So I just started doing more similar kinds of blogs. Like, I did one that was, like, should you make, like, Yelp your new dating app? Like, should you make, like, Uber your new dating app? And just trying to find, like, different ways to, like, like, collect data on the dating analytics analytics from different platforms. Um, And then the one that I ran that people kind of responded to the most is when I, like, scraped data from Coffee Meets Bagel um, using, like, their API. Mm -hmm. And I did, like, a word cloud of... um, which words like corresponded best with which um with which like data or dating success rates basically um and people thought that that was like funny i guess or i don't know so that one kind of like took off and from there i was like maybe i should try comedy writing but i hadn't really until that like data blog i had not um i had not really like been super um super interested in comedy or like known how to break in at all yeah yeah i think um in San Francisco is where you started actually performing stand-up as well, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I, I believe – I'm trying to find a quote that I had here written because I thought it was uh, – it was from a piece that you wrote. It, you said you fell in love six times in San Francisco, five times with boys – or with a boy and one time with comedy, um, which is a, <laughs> a great line. Uh, what was it about comedy that made you sort of fall in love with it? Um, I had – I was so introverted my whole life and – never a performer um never really the kind of the one cracking jokes at the barbecue that kind of thing um yeah and i didn't i had never watched stand-up before or i never i mean i, I knew what stand-up was but i was never a stand-up fan i didn't follow any stand-up comedians uh, 
and it just it didn't occur to me that it was the kind of thing I could do and then I took I signed up for a class because I had like a lull at my job and um the class ended with like a show and I was so scared to do the show I had like three shots beforehand um and there weren't that many people there there were like 10 people and the whole time I was like okay if this is a complete disaster I never have to do this again I never have to see any of these people again um and it just ended up being like so fun it was just five minutes of jokes that I'd been working on for like two months and like um I just it was such a thrill and then I was I don't know I mean this is wild in retrospect but like the first time I did stand-up was, like, on a Wednesday, and then I did it again on Thursday, and that set, like, did not go well, and then I was, like, I'm done with stand-up, and then I did, I did it again on Monday, and then starting that, like, I did it once on Monday, and then I went to, like, two open mics on Tuesday, and then I went to, like, oh wow, an open mic every night for the next, like, 90 days or something, and it felt like, it was, like, in the way that someone might be, like, doing a challenge, like, do stand-up every day for 90 days, but I wasn't doing a challenge, I just, like, I was just hooked immediately, there was no... I did not ease into stand-up at all. I was just obsessed, like, from the moment I got on stage, really. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned um, I had a similar experience with getting into stand-up, so I did something very similar in Chicago where it was, like, a couple months of class, performance show, and then, like, you're kind of set you free. Um, you mentioned the doing the shots before the performance. Um, I know that I've, I've also read that uh, you kind of felt at first that alcohol seemed necessary to give you that confidence to get on stage, how did sort of that love of being hooked to stand up and like that lifestyle of stand up and the late nights and all of that uh, contribute to what later became a, your relationship with alcohol? Um, yeah, definitely. So I'm I'm sober now. Um, yeah, congrats. Think, and uh, thank you. Um, uh, stand up definitely played a really big role because like I think um, I was drinking a lot before stand up, but like uh, I'm I'm a very like. Uh, sort of type A person who um, really wants to be productive all the time. And, like, I would drink, but I always, in the back of my mind, like, wanted to feel like I had a reason to drink. So, like, sometimes I'd be like, oh, I have to drink. I'm, like, going on dates. Like, this is the secret to meeting someone. And then stand-up was kind of, like, the ultimate reason to drink because I was so um, shy and awkward at first. And I'm still very awkward on stage. But um, it felt like it loosened me up. So I, like, don't even... I, at the time, I didn't even think I could do stand-up without drinking. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I have to drink because this is, like, the key to, you know, unlocking this new skill or whatever. And, like, sometimes I still think I probably – I mean, actually, I know I never would have gotten into stand-up if I um, weren't into drinking. Like, it, I mean, stand-up happens in bars. And then I right. I loved it so much. Um, I felt like I was partying all the time. Um and then it just kind of, I, I think I did, I got sober like about three years into doing stand-up. Um, and I have to say like doing stand-up sober is not, I don't, um, there are moments when I still love it. And I, or I guess honestly, like I, okay, I guess what I'll say is like, I love when I'm on stage performing stand-up and it's like a fun crowd and that is just like the most fun thing ever, but I don't really love any of the other aspects of it. Um, and I used to love the whole scene. Like I have friends who do stand-up, but also like after the pandemic, um, I feel like the scene kind of like fractured and I I don't like I'll often go to a show and not really know anyone on it, um, which Mm -hmm. used to not be the case. So it no longer feels like now that I'm both sober and the pandemic happened, stand up no longer has the same vibe of like going to a party with my friends every night, you know, which is kind of a downer because that was fun. But, you know, all things must end. Yeah, it's uh, it becomes like a like your social life as well. Right. Like it's like social life plus pursuing your dream plus all the other things. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned earlier you started doing the blog, right, with with some of the dating stuff. But how did the how did you take comedy from on stage to on page? Like you started submitting pieces. I think your first piece was published in McSweeney's. Um, like you mentioned before, not really knowing like that humor writing was kind of a thing. How did you start? Like saying, I'm going to take the insights and like the things that I think are funny, and and kind of get them, you know, out there as pieces of writing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I was like throwing everything I had at the wall. Like I, um, I as I mentioned, I I was not into like comedy at all as a child, and I didn't watch stand up, and I didn't watch any of the like sketch shows that were really popular. I just um, the only thing is that I thought maybe I wanted to write for television. Um, but for, like, a dramedy. Like, I was very obsessed with, like, girls. Like, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't even really a sitcom person. Um, and I quit my tech job because I was really burnt out. And I um, decided that I needed to just, like, um, just try anything that it took to break into comedy. So, basically, like, any path that I'd ever heard of anyone kind of, like, getting a manager through or getting, like, an agent or something, I, I tried to do. So, I, like, did classes at UCB. I did a ton of stand-up. I tried on social media. Um, and so my first breakthrough was, like, at McSweeney's. Um, my first McSweeney's piece was accepted. And then, I honestly, as with, like, so many things, you'll sometimes just, like, have one early hit, and then the next, like, ten are rejected or fail or something. And, like, it's so... You start to feel like the first one was just random. Um, my first New Yorker piece was went viral, and I don't think I've gone viral since. And that was, like, four years ago. But, you know, it, sometimes it only takes one. Um... Although I would love to go viral again in the New Yorker. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really didn't know what I was going to be good at or what what feels were easiest to break into. And, like, there are just some, like, literally anyone can pitch McSweeney's and get a response within, like, a week. And actually, I don't know if this is still true, but at the time, anyone could pitch the New Yorker. So I got into the New Yorker just by cold emailing their, like, open inbox. And, like, I, that's, like, the kind of thing that I don't think I really believed could work and but I just didn't have other ideas or I mean I was trying a lot of different things but like you know I, I for many years I submitted every year to like the um fellowships for tv writing like there I, mm-hmm. I tried to get on a UCB sketch team a lot um there were just like a lot of different things I tried I probably had a podcast that I um wanted to get up big on social media to promote and like I just sort of um I just kind of like tried everything and I still, honestly, I still feel like I'm doing that, but the nice thing is that I feel like I'm now doing it at, like, a slightly higher level, where at least if I get the things, they'll pay, like, a pretty good amount, but sometimes they won't. <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah. I, I I don't really feel, like, you know, I mean, right now I'm, like, promoting a book, so I'm, like, you know, I feel like I have a thing that I've completed that it's built up to, but I don't in any way really feel like my career has um, taken off. It's just, like, it, it feels like I'm just doing the same kinds of work that I've been doing for years and now like making a little more money doing it. Okay. Okay. Right on. Um, <laughs> Sorry if that's dark. And no, no, no. Inspiring. It's, it's real. It's real. Right. That's what we want to, that's what we want to hear. Not the, uh, not the fluff uh, <laughs> PR spin. Um, yeah. Looking at, I have a couple minutes left on the, in this first round. Uh, I wanted to mention, I know I, the piece, there was a piece that you wrote in the New Yorker that um, eventually uh, caught the eye of somebody from Harper Collins, and so in ni- in 2019, released uh, "Toxic Femininity in the Workplace: Office Gender Politics Are a Battlefield" as a book. Um, I have a question about that. So I know the book explores themes of sexism, 
workplace gender dynamics and challenges facing women at work. Um, there's, if you haven't checked this out, if you're listening, you should go uh, check it out on Amazon and like read some of the reviews. There are a lot of reviews from women and talking about how it's like perfect for uh, a woman in corporate America or like their coworkers who are also fellow women. As someone like myself, who's like a white male in corporate America, are there like what what are things that we can take away from it to make ourselves be more tolerable counterparts in the workplace? Because I I think there are a lot of things that we do that we don't necessarily even realize are toxic. I think like self-awareness is key. And I feel like you even in just asking that question is very self-aware. Um, you're very self-aware. I think, yeah, like not being super defensive if someone comments that you might have like interrupted a woman or like taken credit for something. I think that that to me, like it, um, some men react as if like if I'm I, I just wish that in general, like men understood that there is like a difference between a woman saying that you did something sexist and her like calling you a sexist person you know so like a woman who comments that you may have done something sexist is not like attacking your entire character um she's just trying to make the workplace like better for women and so to just like not get super defensive and just kind of like take it as a learning experience i think is probably the best bet because it is going to be very hard to just um it's like change happens slowly and so it is going to require like many small course corrections and so being kind of open each time, I think, is, like, a good thing to take away. Yeah. I love I, – like, I, I haven't read that full book, admittedly, but um, reading some of the excerpts and things like that, I love the humoristic approach to basically, like, call things out but, like, make them not seem so dry and, like, textbook. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I thought – again, I haven't read the full thing, but, but from what I read of that book, um, I, I love your approach to sort of balancing humor with, with the sincerity behind it. Thank you. Your comedy obviously isn't just focused on the workplace. Uh, I follow you on Twitter, and I have for a long time. You have an incredible Twitter feed. If people are listening, they should definitely follow you. Um, your stand-up, you do things like talk about dating and relationships, and now your path to sobriety. Um, this new book that's coming out, it'll be out actually the day that this episode gets released. It's called I'm More Dateable Than a Plate of Refried Beans and Other Romantic Observations. Um, what can people expect when they're when they're reading it? Uh, and And, you know, like what's... What can they take away from it? Yeah, so it's a collection. So it's, um, you could jump around. Their pieces aren't related to each other. There are maybe like a few callbacks, but not a ton. Um, it's a mix of, I would say like it, the, the most common format is like a New Yorker style humor piece. Um, just short, uh, short humor pieces. And then it's mixed in. There are like maybe like five or ten like longer um, longer stories. And the stories will probably take like, 20 minutes to read um but there it follows the the arc of a relationship through satire and just kind of trying to like poke holes at different dating like strange things about modern dating I guess um and my goal with almost everything I write is to make people laugh um that's my primary goal uh at the same time I guess this one is a little like oh we'll say I'm a toxic femininity there's definitely I'm trying to make a point which is that like there's no um correct relationship status or something like it it ends with you know like deciding to not be in a relationship which is sort of how I felt when I pitched the book and then I got into a relationship and then I got out of a relationship and I've you know I mean it is honestly like to me well you're married but I like I books took a long time to come out it never occurred to me that I would find a relationship that lasted the length of the time between like starting the book and the book coming out like I didn't even that wasn't even on my mind. Like, when I was in the relationship, I was like, there's no way we're still going to be in a relationship when this book is published. Also, it was, like, I was writing it, like, during, like, deep 
lockdown and all the you know factories were shut and they had no idea when the book would be published um oh yeah but yeah, yeah. so i i don't know it, it seemed weird to be kind of like trying to in any way identify what sort of relationship i'd be in when the book was out um but or how i'd feel about relationships even even and i didn't come to any kind of like conclusion on it just that like I would want to keep it open ended. I imagine my views on relationships will change many times over the course of my life. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. The uh, the timer went off while you were oh. <laughs> <laughs> for my twenty minutes, but uh, but I definitely wanted you to to get that piece out. There are a couple of other things just for people listening. Um, Jenny has a funny one woman comedy show that's titled "I Finish My Twenties and All I Got Is This Lousy Sobriety." Um, that you should also check out. And there are some great recommendations from people like Whitney Cummings and Dana Schwartz for for the book that she was just describing. So we'll put some of those links in the uh, show notes here. But for now, we'll move on to the second round of the interview, if that's cool with you. It's uh, the five for five round. And so yeah, I can't wait. This in this round, you get, uh, you get to ask me five questions. I have five questions prepped for you. You're the guest, so I'll let you ask your first question, and then I'll ask my five first question, and we'll just kind of bounce back and forth. Okay. Um... Do you think it's more important to brush your teeth in the evening or the morning? I think in the morning. <laughs> um, the reason is, I think, uh, because of your interaction with, well, I guess it really kind of depends on what your life setup is. I'm thinking of it from a very traditional, like, get up, get ready for work, go into a physical office and be around people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, like, obviously, the, the, there's, a, there's a little bit of a smell that lingers if you, uh, if you don't do that in the morning. Uh, in the in the evening, I guess really it's just the people that you care about most that have to deal with it. So uh, if I had to pick one, I would do in the morning. Yeah, that's a great question. Should I ask all five of mine? Um, I, yeah, we usually ping pong back and forth. You can ask all okay. five if you want. Okay, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You go ahead. My first question is: Your Twitter, um, I've seen it described as the best way to find out where you're doing stand up, what you're writing, and what you ate for breakfast. Um, looking at today's feed, I didn't see anything about your breakfast, so I was curious what you had for breakfast today. <laughs> What did I have for breakfast today? I had, oh boy, my sister is um, making us raw vegan food right now. She's on a raw vegan cleanse. Mm. So I ate, I'm not on the raw vegan cleanse, so I'm eating a mixture of cooked and raw food, but I had a piece of toast with this like raw vegan meat thing that she made, but it's actually made out of sunflower seeds. It's like very good, okay. but it was a, it was a weird breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's time for your second question for me. Um, do you think that before you're a married person do you think that um before couples get married they should discuss the logistics of what would happen if they got divorced Ooh, that's a really great question i don't think it's a bad thing necessarily i mean i don't think people go into a marriage um assuming that divorce will be the outcome but i guess it probably wouldn't be i think it um i don't think it would be bad the thing i'm thinking of is like i've been married now for that'll be 15 years this summer and i think of like when i was 27 and getting married i didn't i wouldn't have known like how to even properly talk about the things that would actually have to be talked about that i would maybe know more about now but i might not even know enough now you know because like i feel like we're a little behind the curve like on uh owning assets we don't really have any of those uh <laughs> we have a little bit of a 401k you know but like a lot of people our age are like they have kids and like they seem like real adults uh we still buy like lunchables and uncrustables so um <laughs> we're a little behind the curve i don't think it's a bad thing though i, I you know because i i would hate nothing more than to see somebody stay in a relationship because they feel like they can't get out if it's not working mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's an interesting concept i guess it's sort of like a non financial um what's that called like a prenup 
yeah. An emotional prenup. Yeah. I like that. You should trademark that. Ooh. Yeah, that could be a good satire piece. <laughs> Make a note, note to self. I love that. I love that. Uh, my second question for you is if you could ha- hang out with any cartoon character, who would you choose and why? Um, Bart Simpson, because I have a longstanding crush on him. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's weird now because he's a child and I'm an adult, but he was one of my first crushes. And I think it's okay because he's animated, you know? Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, I just always thought he had a really cool vibe. Yeah. He does actually have a really cool vibe. That's a really great answer. And, you know, he's sort of like Peter Pan, like eternally youthful. So you can't help that. Your love has to conquer that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do you drink coffee? And if so, can you imagine a life in which you don't drink coffee? So I, I have, I've never really drank coffee until very recently. <gasps> um, and I started drinking, like, cold brews. Okay. Um, and it was really out of like, because somebody was like, oh, the caffeine concentration is high. I don't know if, the, if I'm explaining this right, but they were like, the caffeine concentration is higher. Um, and so you should try like a cold brew. I don't really like the taste of like hot coffee. And like, when I think of coffee growing up, like, again, my parents made like Maxwell house coffee and, you know, like their countertop bun c- coffee pot. So that's, that was my exposure to it before, but I, I like cold brew. I also like that it gives me like the like jitter the jitters yeah. i saw an ad for that was like cold brew without the jitters and i'm like what's the point of that yeah. like, what a waste of money <laughs> that's wild <laughs> that you went zero to 60 i think if i'd never drank coffee someone telling me something at high caffeine concentration would really put me off sure i should i should have prefaced that by telling you that i like basically have a non-stop uh flow of like diet mountain dew oh okay okay so you are a caffeine person yeah. in that case can you imagine your life without caffeine no way. No yeah, way. Yeah, there are a lot of people that say like, oh, yeah, you should like quit, you know, or I, I gave up caffeine and it helped by doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, that sounds terrible to me. Yeah. I don't, I'll give up a lot of things, but I don't think caffeine is, caffeine's off the table for me. Yeah. 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 Interesting. <laughs> My third question for you is what's a secret hobby of yours that you think others would consider weird? Um, I'm a, I'm a very, uh, kind of compulsive audiobook listener i don't know if people think it's weird just like unexpected i just go on long walks and listen to audiobooks and that's like kind of my like favorite thing to do um during the pandemic i could easily walk like four hours a day listening to audiobooks wow um i don't think i have any like hobby hobbies i wish i did um i tried knitting for a while but yeah i would say that like when i want to like you know in the middle of the day if i want to take a break it's I, it's my audiobooks, and sometimes I'll clean while doing it. That's actually really fun. I, l- I really like to <laughs> clean and listen to audiobooks. Um, I'm a really big nerd. I don't do any drugs, so I need to get my fix somewhere. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's okay. a good question. I love that. Yeah. Your fourth question for me. Um, do hmm, do you um, eat peanut butter straight off the spoon? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. And do you think that that is a more logical way to eat peanut butter? Than like trying to spread it on something yeah 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 Yeah, i do yeah because it's not super easily spreadable unless you get something incredibly processed um yeah yeah i think it makes the most sense or to like take something if you were like dipping it like in an apple slice or something and just go straight in the jar Mm, yeah yeah Yeah. so if you come to my house don't eat after don't eat uh peanut butter because it's probably been dipped straight into by a spoon Yeah, I think that the spoons are like the only... I think what we should have been taught growing up, that the spoons are the logical way, and that if you want to put it on bread, you can put it on bread, but the default is just the spoon. 
I agree. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. yeah. Do you, um, are you a crunchy peanut butter person or just creamy? Either one. Yeah. Okay. I'm a, I love them all. Okay. Any, any kind of nut butter, really. Love it. <laughs> My fourth question for you is, is there someone that you would consider, quote, the one that got away? We get deep towards the end of this round. Um, I consider myself the one that got away from a lot of people. Um, Love that. And the one that got away, not really. Um, I'll have moments of nostalgia. Normally when one relationship ends, I'll, I'll think about the prior relationships and how maybe they didn't have the same issues, but they had different issues. Um, no, I don't, uh, I think for many years I had one guy I considered the one that got away and then we, um we got back in touch and spent a lot of time together and that was almost like what I needed to finally let him go and to kind of recognize that it was like a figment of my imagination. Um, and since then I've been pretty, you know, it's interesting. I love the Taylor Swift song. I forgot that you existed because it's so dumb that obviously she didn't forget this guy existed if she wrote a song about him. But also like every time it comes on, I think about, all the guys who used to really like clog my mind who don't anymore. And, um, it is kind of nice. It's just, there's a line where it's like, it's just like, it's peaceful and quiet. And like, I feel, I don't think I am hung up on any exes anymore, which is nice. I love that. Yeah. I actually really like your initial spin on it. Yeah. That you're the one that got away from a lot of people. That's a, it's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be honest. Like I've had a lot of boring boyfriends and I just, I can't wrap my mind around the idea that they ever dated anyone more interesting than me. And honestly, I, but one, one thing I have come to accept is that I don't think that they needed someone. I don't think it, my interest level might not have been appealing to them. <laughs> like, I think that they were maybe, maybe are a lot happier and have been a lot happier with people who are not as like, you know, I'm, I'm, I talk a lot. I'm, um, I have a lot of thoughts on things. <laughs> Always doing bits. I think they have probably been happier with people who are a little bit more Zen. Um, but I still think I have exes who miss me. I would, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll put money on that. Um, I love that. Yeah. Okay. One last question. Uh, are we on our last question? We're, yeah. This is your last question. Yep. Okay. Um, do you think that Elon Musk will succeed in buying Twitter? God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so adamantly opposed to it, but I really am. Um, yeah. I think there's something about like people that have that much money there's something really satisfying when they can't buy their way into something. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. 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 I just don't want him to be able to have it. <laughs> yeah. I also can't. I mean, I know, like, I don't think it's good, like, um, uh, you know, like, that he'll just let all these, like, really offensive people back on. But I also think regular Twitter is going to let Trump back on. Like, I'm not, you know. Yeah. I think that they will when the election rolls around. But, yeah, I just don't want him to have it. <laughs> it just <laughs> feels satisfying <laughs> to say no. It really does, especially when you think like like I'm just sitting here in my house in like you know Chicago. Yeah. Like well, I have access to it, but Elon Musk can't, or like, or uh, Elon Musk can't like give somebody access. Yeah. Like there's. Yeah. Uh, and I obviously I don't know. Yeah. I I just there I really do enjoy like thinking that there's something he can't obtain that he wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like my version of first class, you know. Yeah. And we get to go on Twitter and Trump doesn't get to. Or I guess we get to tweet. Trump yeah. still probably looks at Twitter all the time. but Yeah. yeah. You know he yeah. does. He's constantly pulling the thumb down and refreshing it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My fifth and final question for you. It's a little presumptuous. But if you and I, um, at the end of this, when I say like, you know, and I give you a friend request, if we had a friendship, um, that what would our friendship be titled if it was like a comedy movie, do you think? Um... 
like off the spoon for us like eating peanut butter <laughs> off the spoon <laughs> like it could be like <laughs> um i love it yeah yeah that's great i don't know no, we can, i'm not good at titling we can run with that yeah. <laughs> awesome we'll move on to our third round here which is the uh, fast friends fortune teller so um i had perfected these as a child and brought them back for for this podcast um so i'll ask you a series of questions that will reveal an activity that we'll play um, in all of these scenarios, do you say scenarios or scenarios? The former, I think. Scenarios. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I always have to say the former <laughs> versus the latter to like understand my mind. I know. Me too. I, I know. If I had gotten that one wrong, I would have just run, ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. In all of these scenarios, assume that you and I are in a car on a road trip and not a Tesla. It's probably like, I don't know. I'm really actually, well, you're, I'm much older than you, but do you know what a geostorm is? Mm-mm. Okay, I'll have to send you a link. It's this amazing car from like 1992. Not really amazing, but I think everybody wanted it in like 1992. Um, anyway, we're in a car together on a road trip. Sorry, I digress. Um, the first question I ask you is, uh, I'm, I'm a really big fan of boy bands. And so I would ask you to start a boy band playlist. Uh, would you pick the first song from Backstreet Boys, Sync, One Direction, or 98 Degrees? One Direction. Do you have a go-to One Direction song? Uh, I love them all. Yeah, um, they're pretty good. Maybe best song ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> it's a, the best song ever. <laughs> um, we stop at a gas station for snacks. Uh, would you, From these four snacks, would you pick Milk Duds, Corn Nuts, Cheez-Its, or Sour Patch Kids? Um, Corn Nuts. I'm sorry. No, I love Corn Nuts. You're the only person yeah. on this podcast so far that's picked Corn Nuts. And okay, I, that's good like, in the sound effect, I will put one of those, like, things well i know i know that corn nuts are not the most delicious but i get um i can't tolerate gluten so cheese sits are out and then oh. um the sugar is like I, I don't know if i i i'm finding that sugar like ruins my day so i think yeah. if it's a car trip where i need to um to keep my mood in a good place it's gonna have to be corn nuts yeah do you do you have a go-to go corn nuts flavor Maybe like ranch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the nacho cheese, but yeah. I would also eat ranch. Um, the last is we stop at an exit further down the road, and we're getting dinner through a drive through Would you pick from these four restaurants, Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, or Arby's? Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King. Well, I'm a vegetarian, but I think that both McDonald's and Burger King now do like the Impossible Burger or the Beyond Burger, so I'd pick one of those. Okay. I know Burger King does for sure. All right. I'll do Burger King, yeah. <laughs> Um, under Burger King is the game Never Have I Ever, which is a, f a fun drinking game that we're going to just emulate drinking because it's Monday night. Great. Um, I'll ask you five questions from a card game of the same name, Never Have I Ever. Um, and you and I will both say like whether we would drink or not based on what the prompt is. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> never have I ever, never have I ever been in a flash mob. Ooh, I have not. I have not. I put a finger up if I've done it, right? Yeah. Okay. Or take a drink. I, we always played it taking a drink, but that was because I was an alcoholic at the time. <laughs> never <laughs> never have I ever stolen something at self-checkout. I have. I haven't done that either. I Can I justify it? Yeah, yeah. I feel that if I spend a really long time getting the scanner to work and it doesn't work... I, I put in my time. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. I, I, right. That's my, yeah, but not something big. It's like a candy bar. Okay. Right. 
Right, right. Actually, I have to take mine back. I have done that. When you were explaining, I was like, wait a second, I have done this. But it was at our, oh my God, I'm going to get fired for this. It was at our employee cafeteria. Oh, that's funny. Well, sometimes, yeah, I think it's like, I'm like, well, I'm doing them a service. Like, this is something they would otherwise pay people to do, and I'm doing it. And yeah. if I spent a really long time trying to scan this, like, cliff bar, that's, yeah. Yeah. Mine <laughs> was like, bar. I got a side of ranch dressing, and, um, and I was, like, trying to figure out where in the, like, menu it was, because they have them, like, by categories, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, salad bar, and then I put, like, sides, like, sauces, whatever. Like, it didn't come up anywhere, and I was like, okay. Like, this ranch is free. It's on the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I didn't... Okay. No one trained me to do this, so... Yeah. Uh, never have I ever locked my keys in the car while it was running. I have not. I don't even know how to drive. I don't even know how to drive. Oh, you, I mean, I guess if you didn't drive a lot. Yeah. I did do that once uh, as a probably, like, early 20-something. Never have I ever had no choice but to simply piss my pants. I... Maybe I had a choice, but I did it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I also did that. Not proud of it, but it was at a bar, too, for, like, happy hour with workers. It was great. It was Mm. great. I had, like, direct reports that saw me piss my pants in the bar of a restaurant. (laughs) It's vulnerable. Yeah. They respected your (laughs) Um, vulnerability. Never have I ever had to call someone to bail me out of jail. Never been to jail. I've never been to jail, nor would I probably have anybody that has enough money to bail me out. (laughs) So... That's a zero. That's a no for me as well. Uh, so Jenny, this is this is it. This is my. I'm gonna shoot my shot at friendship here and say this is the moment we've been building f- for building to for the entire podcast. Um, in the vein of Facebook, Logan Cummins has sent you a friend request based on our time that we spent together. Would you confirm or delete the friend request? I will confirm the friend request. This has been great. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Do you want to tell people where, like, where they can find you? We'll obviously put some links out where they can follow you. Um, I vouch for your Twitter feed, especially. It's hilarious. Uh, but tell people where they can find you and find your book. You can find me at Jenny Hogan underscore on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm now on TikTok at Jenny Hogan. Um, I link to my book in all those places. Uh, you can find it on Amazon, Chronicle Books, Barnes & Noble. Um, I'm more dateable than a plate of refried beans. I would really love it if you bought it. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks for having me, Logan. This was so fun. Of course. Thank you for coming on. Have a wonderful evening. You too. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.